Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. We're going to get started this morning and I don't have an outline for you which is a little bit different and and there's a few reasons behind that. Uh, I had one of those weeks this week where you hear and see, and there was just so much, so much stuff going on this week for me as, as your pastor, hearing about different situations, different family members that are battling this and that, and uh, this whole week it was like that for me. And in that process, um, you know, I, I began to become filled with many emotions of this and that and and you start getting this righteous anger towards the enemy because the enemy is trying to destroy families trying to do this and that and here's the thing we all got to be careful with every one of us know that the enemy uses people to attack other people and if you haven't figured that out yet he you you're in for a rude awakening but that's the way it works and in that process i began to see these these issues in in these various people and families families where the enemy is trying to destroy, and I'm not just mentioning uh, maybe necessarily about here, but other people that I know that are dear to me, and I began to think how dare the enemy begin or be, uh, to begin to attack people that we know, that are believers. How dare the enemy think that he can get away with that? Have you ever had that righteous anger just come up in you and just say, who does the devil think he is trying to step in on that? Amen? And and it's at that point that you just have to stand up and say, enough's enough. And you have to begin fighting spiritually. Because the Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood. Amen? We battle against principalities, against demons and powers of darkness. So, again, when I see people, and especially our people, attacked, I come against it in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, because that's the only power that can bring salvation, that can bring resolution, right? And just like I mentioned, the enemy often uses people to attack other people. And at the core of each of these situations that I began to see, at the core, it's always one thing. It's sin. Sin is always at the core of any issue regarding God's people here. Genesis 4-7, I want to read this scripture to you. You don't, you don't need to stand here right now, but... It says this, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at the door, people. It's crouching at the door, awaiting to pounce on you. And as believers, we live in a day and age where you have to guard yourself. You have to guard your heart. You have to guard your mind. You have to guard your family. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about the things, that, the places you go, the things you say. You have to be vigilant. How many know that today? More than ever. It's not easy nowadays to be parents even. 
For those of you that have young ones, it's, it's challenging and it's going to continue to be challenging. But the great news is we have our Lord and Savior that can help us overcome any of those challenges. I can't imagine not having the Lord God on your side to help you deal with any challenges you may be facing today. I can't imagine that. I, I'd just say I might as well give up. Might as well just jump off the Golden Gate Bridge today because there's no hope. I might as well jump out in front of Bart and give up because people do that, you know. People do those things because they give up. They don't see any hope in future. So as I began to pray for each of these families and what they're going through, the Lord began to give me insight. How many know that when you begin to pray, sometimes the Lord will show you things that that are going on that that nobody's told you, but but... But God shows you. He shares with you, right? Not only that, but He began to share with me the word today that I needed to share with you. Now, whether you're going through something today or not, I still believe this this message applies today. And, and I've titled this today, Making Godly Choices in an Ungodly Culture, Walking in Purity Before God. Making Godly Choices in an Ungodly Culture, Walking in purity before God. You hear that title right away and you think, Oh man, that's a tough thing to do. Well, yeah it is. In your own strength it is. But we're not, we don't live our life in the strength that we have. We have to depend upon God. Amen? We have to learn to depend upon Him for our strength. Because there will come a Friday, a Saturday night where you're just up to here and you're saying, Lord, I can't go on any longer. I don't know how I can go on any longer. Have you ever been there? We all have. We've all been there. And it's at those points, at those moments, that you can make irrational choices. How many know that? But when you have the Lord God as your strength, you can learn to trust Him. And He can help you and lead you. Those who have come to see their sinful state for what it is, they are the poor in spirit, the Bible says. They have mourned over their sins. They've brought humility to their situation. They've hungered and thirsted for the righteousness of God. And then God, the Bible says, if you draw nigh to Him, He will draw nigh to you, right? And when you begin to do that, He takes that old, old person, that the old sins, He washes you in, in the blood of the Lamb, the Bible says. And then He makes you new, a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. See, you don't have to live in that situation anymore, whatever the past had over you, the control it had over you. You don't have to live there. It's a choice. Everybody say, it's a choice. choice. We all have choices. And today's message is about choices. Choices that you and I have made. Choices that you and I are making right now. And choices that you and I will make in the future. But I'm here to tell you this. Every one of your choices, if you do not listen to God speaking to you, will result in a consequence. They are, there are consequences for your choices. Amen? So, uh, at this time, why don't you stand with me? I'm going to have you uh, stand as we read from the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, I want you to find the book of Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to be reading from verse 8. It's just one scripture. Chapter 5 of Matthew and verse 8. And you should be able to find that book fairly easily. 
And if you can't find that book fairly easily, you need to be at Wednesday night Bible studies. I'm just saying. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 says the following. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you want us to hear, I pray that you would give me the words, the anointing to say, the boldness to say it, to declare it. And Father, give us ears to hear, a heart to listen and understand what you're saying. Holy Spirit, may you speak to every listener here today. And Father, we pray your blessing upon the word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. So I want to ask you three quick questions this morning as we get into this time. As we seek to understand what that text is saying. Because I want to dig into that text. Number one, first of all, I want us to consider what the heart is. When it mentions the word heart, what is the heart? What exactly is the heart to which Jesus is alluding to here? This is one of the, the Beatitudes that he spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. And question number two, then we need to ask ourselves, what is this purity that Jesus is talking about? Sometimes you hear the word purity and it's like, well, that's, that's not attainable. Oh, yes, it is. In Christ Jesus, it is. It is. Amen. Uh, if the pure in heart enjoy a state of blessing and privilege, what does it mean to be pure? What does that mean? And then the final question, question number three, and what does it mean to see God? Is the scripture speaking literally or metaphorically? What does it mean to see God? What is it saying then, and how do we make that application to our life, to our everyday life? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning, amen? And so let's, let's get into this right now, and I've got a few notes here. First of all, let's deal with the heart. The, the Greek word here used for heart is cardia, cardia, where we get the word uh, cardiac in the English language. And I'm not talking about the human organ here that pumps blood. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the heart as it's described in Scripture. See, in, in our culture, we speak of the heart as being the center of our thoughts. Have you ever said the following? I love you with all of my heart. Have you ever said that? Yes, of course we have. Or I love that with all of my heart. I love this food with all of my heart. I love those donuts with all of my heart. You, can, you say things like that. Or, let's get to the heart of the matter. You may have said that. And it's, it's our way of talking about, about the very center of our emotions, of our being. Amen? It's about the thoughts or essence of your being, is what you're really meaning with that. This is exactly how the word heart is, is employed in Scripture. It's the exact meaning. It's about the essence of that person. Are you tracking with me this morning? This word is used over 800 times in the Bible. This word heart and the, and the meaning of that. It means the center of who we really are. The epicenter of our being is what that word means. So here in the Bible, the word for heart is often interchangeable with the word for mind. 
So you can give, it gives you insight into the idea of what the word in the Bible is trying to convey, okay? So it's about everything that, that centers around you. It's about everything in you. Amen. I want to read a scripture here to you in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. And I've got a, quite a few scriptures I want to throw out this morning. But this one here, the prophet Samuel is considering Eliab, David's older brother, um, as the one he should anoint as the king. Okay, So here comes Samuel, and here, listen to the scripture. God tells him, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees, for a man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees the heart. See, well, let me, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me read another scripture to you here in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 3. We are told to serve the Lord with our whole heart or without a divided loyalty. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29, we are told to seek Him with all our heart or all our being. Still tracking with me? And then finally in the, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 6 verse 21, Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, it's making reference in all those scriptures that our heart is the center of our being, our heart. And again, I'm not talking about the physical organ with four chambers pumping blood through your body. I'm talking about the innermost part of your being, the heart there. Now Jesus said that those, that those who are blessed, those who enjoy a favorable position with God, are those who are pure of heart. I remember back in the day when we were younger, my mom used to take us shopping to this store. It used to be called Purity. You ever heard of a Purity store? It just was an unusual name, but we'd go shopping to Purity. Let's go to Purity. And it was just a weird name. There was nothing pure about that store. They were just like any other store. It was a grocery store. But we went to Purity in a small town up in St. Helena. And since then, I've seen one in Fort Bragg. When we go up, Anna and I go up there, I see another Purity. It just cracks me up because just the name alone, Purity. Nothing pure about that store. Uh, I don't know the history on, on the name of it, but it makes you think, what is so pure about that store? Well, here today, I want to challenge you with that scripture that we read in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 about blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall see God. Amen. Here, we've got a problem. We've got a problem because the scripture tells us that the heart of man is anything but pure. How many know that? The heart of man is not pure in, in essence. In fact, it tells us the human heart is wicked. It tells us that left to our own devices, our heart can be very uh, devious, wicked. It can do things that, that are total opposite of what God desires. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, and hear me, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? And verse 10 goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine to reward each person according to their conduct. According to their conduct. 
So we know, we also know that a change of heart is necessary for salvation, don't we? See, we, we may have been there in that situation. If you're here today and, and you hear me and, and you're saying, man, um, I, I'm living in an area where that conduct shouldn't, isn't where it should be. Well, you don't have to remain there. You don't need to remain there. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 through 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. You don't have to go through a process of this or that. It's that simple. That scripture nails it. See, we believe with the heart we, which results in righteousness. When we believe in the Lord Jesus, He automatically gives us His righteousness. We have none to, to give. He gives us His righteousness. That's how we can say that we are now righteous, that we are pure. Amen? So not only do we see that the heart is the center of our being, but that our hearts are naturally wicked. So with that, each of us here today are born with the inclination to sin. And that's the believer. I'm talking to believers. When you take it outside the church and you're, and you're seeing ungodly people that are unrepentant, don't know Christ, how much more wicked is their heart? How much more devious is their heart? Because we know what is sin and what we shouldn't be doing, or at least we should. Amen? But thank God for His mercy and grace that sees us through that. Amen? Because you can be at a point where you can be so filled with righteous anger that you want to choke somebody for Jesus. Amen? You want to choke somebody for Jesus sometimes. And you know that's not the right thing to do. God will quickly tell you, No, I got this. I got this. Anybody ever been there? You just want to choke somebody for Jesus, right? Or slap somebody upside the head for Jesus, right? Those are thoughts that go in our mind, and then we let them go, and we think better of that, because we say, Lord, you got this. You are the righteous judge. You will judge the wicked. You will judge people for their actions. Amen. It's not up to us to, to bring judgment upon anybody, to bring vengeance upon anybody. I just want to make sure you hear that. Amen. Which leads us to my second point of purity. See this Greek word for purity, it means cleanliness. Everybody say cleanliness. Think of the cleanest kitchen you've ever seen. And cleanliness, right? Anybody here like to clean? Anna loves to clean. She likes to see things clean, right? It's cleanliness. It means to be genuine, free from things that would adulterate something and making it impure. Much like the purity of gold. Gold is pure. When you have 100% solid gold, it's a pure element. Amen? It's similar to the concept of holiness, um, but I'm not talking about holiness this morning. I want to talk about the heart. So when we, think of, when we think of purity of heart, perhaps we think of someone whose motives are pure, someone who, who comes across pure, who possesses no guile or malice or no intentions of wrongdoing. I'm talking about that kind of pureness. Someone who's good-natured, maybe someone who may even be naive to a lot of things. But hear, hear me, this isn't what the Lord is talking about. See, the Lord is speaking about the heart of someone whose sins have been forgiven 
and whose heart has been made new. See, your heart is made new when you confess to the Lord your sins, then He begins to make you pure. It's not your thoughts or actions that make you pure. Strike that from your mind if you think that's the case. Jesus Christ is the only one that can make you righteous and pure. Amen? See, this is the problem that the Pharisees had in the Old Testament. They were outwardly clean and pure, outwardly looked like they were, were doing all the right things, but inwardly, let me read what the Scripture says about them. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 through 28, these are Jesus' words describing people that were sitting in church, in church pews. This is what Jesus said. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all cleanliness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now I said that Jesus was talking to the scribes and Pharisees. But if we're not careful, this is what I want you to listen to. That could be us here today. I want you to beware, be aware that sin crouches at the door. Your choices, your actions, whether you think nobody knows, nobody knows, God sees all. You know, I, I was talking to somebody, there's not anybody here in, in our church, but I was counseling somebody this past week. And there were some choices made. And as I began to hear this person, there was nothing of repentance coming through there. The choices that were made for and, and put this person in a terrible circumstance because of their choices. It was sin that put this person in this predicament. But I did not hear any type of repentance, humility, sorrow, any of that. It was all about pointing the finger. Pointing the finger. And it goes back to the Garden of Eden. We've all been doing that ever since then. Eve pointed to the serpent. Adam pointed to Eve. Nobody wanted to take accountability. That's unfortunately the world we live in today. No one wants to be accountable. And to me, the greatest sorrow in that is I'm listening to this person. is not that they didn't get that part. The, to me, the greatest thing was that they didn't acknowledge that Jesus Christ saw all of that and they weren't bothered by that. To me, that was, that was so, it was ringing so loudly that, well, I don't want people to know and, and only so-and-so knows and... I looked at this person in the eye and said, Who cares who knows? God knows. They didn't even understand that. How, that's so basic. And, and to me, when we come to church here today, you know, and I'm not talking to anybody here specifically here today, but I, I just want to make sure that you're not coming in here sitting in pews, living this outward action, and inwardly totally deceived by, by sin. By Satan. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. See, the standards for citizenship in heaven are extremely high. Yes, we, are, we live in an imperfect world. We're imperfect beings. But this is the great thing that the Lord does for us. 
when we humbly come and confess our sins, the Bible says He forgives us of our sins. When we humbly come and confess our sins, when, when you have kids here and they, and they do something wrong, if they tell you, yeah, Dad, Mom, I messed up, I, I did that. Well, then you forgive them and move on. But if they don't confess that and they try to hide it from you, you're a little ticked. You're going to be a little upset. And in the same manner, God is just desiring that we come before Him and say, yeah, I messed up. Um, I need your help, Lord. I really need your help. I, I, I promise I won't do this, but I need your strength. And He's willing to do that. But it's people that don't acknowledge that, that really trouble me, that because they are going to face now consequences for their choices. Everybody say consequences. There are consequences for every choice you make that is not pleasing to the Lord. Amen? Amen. The Lord doesn't want you to fall prey to the enemy. The scripture I read initially, that sin crouches at the door. See, I always mention this to you right here about, you've heard me say about my hanky, right? I always have it in my right back pocket right here. I know where it's at. The devil knows where you're at too. And he's sitting there, he's just, he's ready to jump in the moment you lower your defense, the moment you give an an opportunity. And how does that happen? By bad choices. Bad choices always result in consequences. The older I get, I, I posted something on my Facebook. It said, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know anything when I thought I knew everything. Right? When we're teenagers, we think we know everything. When we're in our early 20s, we think we, we know even more. And the older you get, you start realizing, oh, well, my mom and dad were right. And I don't know nothing. And man, my mom and dad know everything. And, and as you get older, you, you begin to appreciate that. That's called wisdom. Amen? Amen. Jesus here, oh, let me read this. External outward human righteousness might lead people to think you are pure. But that doesn't cut it with God here today who sees the heart. He sees your heart here today. God says there has to be an internal work, a transformation that occurs at salvation. Unfortunately, some people are satisfied just with that transformation alone and they don't continue in this process that we know and we call sanctification that means drawing closer to the Lord uh, ridding yourself of the old traits that you carried in to this relationship with God and allowing God to do a work in you see the Lord has such a better plan for you amen Again, Jesus is saying that the pure in heart are those who are saved, those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And the truth is that the condition of believers can sometimes be so bad that they can be out of step with God and have impurities and sins in their life. They can still attend church and be church attenders, but consequences follow them. 
consequences follow them. And believe it or not, I, I used to see that, but until I became a pastor, I didn't realize how prevalent that is. When I see choices made and then the consequences, it happens to everybody that makes bad choices. I'm just here to tell you, if you make bad choices, consequences are going to follow you. It's as simple as that. You make good choices, you will suffer great consequences of that because of those choices. And, and my intent here is not to beat anybody up. I'm just trying to say what the Lord laid on my heart about... There were four different situations going on this week that I just saw over and over. This situation and another situation. And by the time Friday rolled around, I'm like, Lord... What, what are you trying to tell me? How do I need to declare that here? Because I don't want our people here to suffer through consequences because of bad choices. Amen? You hear me? That's my heart here today. See, the truth is that sometimes we can be so bad, we can be out of step with the Lord. We can be in church. And we, we all of us have seen that. Uh, we all walk at different levels, I get that. But some people are completely satisfied just coming in here and sitting down and having a seat on Sundays. I just want to challenge you for more of, more of God. Amen? Amen? See, believers can find themselves battling the enemy as they allow these impurities in their life because of bad choices. Choices always follow you, good or bad. They'll follow you. Everywhere you go, they'll follow you. To be pure in heart, and what I'm talking about this morning, to be pure in heart speaks about my position before God, positionally, okay? I'm talking about positionally, we are pure in heart if you're a believer. But it also describes the condition of my walk. I, I am pure in heart the moment I came to Christ and said, Lord, I confess my sins, I give my life to you, I believe you died for me on a cross, rose for me on the third day, I became pure in heart at that moment, the Bible says. But it doesn't end there. In my walk with God, the Lord also wants me to be pure in my thoughts and in my actions. He doesn't want me to be perfect. I'm just asking you, is He asking you today? Is He telling you, check your choices. Check your choices before you make them. Because there are consequences. There are ramifications for your choices. Amen? It does not mean that you and I have to be perfect in this world. I can't emphasize that enough because it's impossible to be perfect, number one. However, what it does mean is that we need to make God number one. And I'll just add this, in every single one of the situations that I'm talking about this morning, those people have not made God number one. God is not number one in every single circumstance. And it saddens me, it angers me, that the devil preys upon people like that. Because God is not number one. There are other things that are number one in their life, but not God. God is a part of their life, but He's not number one. Number three... They shall see God. See, we asked that con the connection question this morning. That we shall see God. Amen? All of us here believe that today? That you will see God? You will see God. 
Someday all those who are saved will go to heaven and their God will reveal himself more to us than ever before. We shall see him, the Bible says, face to face. This is one aspect of this passage, but I don't believe it's just talking about that. I believe it's talking about more than that. See, Jesus is talking about that which takes place here on this earth. Here, in the here, in the now and now, not in the by and by, in the here and now. Remember, Jesus, while he was speaking to a Hebrew audience, and these Hebrew Jewish people knew that the word said that no one has seen God. No man shall see God. Okay? Know that. Exodus 33 verse 20 says this, as God is telling Moses, You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. John, in the New Testament, Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 18 says this, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. So when Jesus promises us that the pure in heart will see God, what is He saying? That's what I want to get to right here. So to understand this, we need to look at that, the Greek word, because the New Testament is written in Greek, shall see, from, from that scripture in verse 8, the pure in heart shall see what that means there. It was a very significant word in the Greek language. This extremely important word carried a wide connotation. Here, listen to this. It was more than merely speaking of physical sight. It also meant mental and spiritual discernment or perception. Let me repeat that again. Mental and spiritual discernment or perception. That is important here today. See, knowing that no man can see God the Father, because of those scriptures that we just, we just read and heard, we must understand that Jesus is trying to convey this idea of spiritual discernment, mental discernment. And perception. How many know that when you walk with Christ, when you walk to the best of your ability and you place Him number one, you now have a heightened perception of God. You see God working in things that you normally wouldn't. Your eyes are open to the things of God. Amen? God may even speak to you and say, Hey, you need to go and encourage this, this brother, this sister, uh, or go pray for them. But when you're not walking in those steps... That's oblivious to you. You can't see that. This is what God is talking about, what Jesus is talking about when he says the, when he says the pure shall see God. Amen? You shall see God. Amen? The blessing here is this. As the person who is pure in heart allows their life to be lost in Jesus, make him number one, and allow Jesus to live through them, their understanding, their perception... Their discernment of God's will for their lives drastically improves. It becomes, it becomes heightened, heightened um, um, alertness to, to the things of God. Amen? Amen? Listen to this scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. It says, The pure in heart have had their eyes opened. Everybody say, eyes opened. And they can walk in the light as He is in the light and have fellowship with God and one another. See, we that have the light now have our eyes opened. 
The pure in heart will see God because they are living life filled with God's Holy Spirit. When you have God's Holy Spirit living in your life, your eyes are opened. What does the Bible say about those that are lost? They're blind. What is the, the words to amazing grace? I was once blind, but now I see. Spiritually blind. You weren't blind by birth. It's not talking physically. It's, talk, it's talking about a spiritual discernment. You were blind to the things of God. See, the person who has not come to be poor of spirit and brought to mourn over their sins, they're blind. They're blind. They will never see God. And unfortunately, there are people that continue to make poor choices, continue to be in unrepentant sin. Yes, they came to a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, but they make poor choices and they don't recognize, perceive, and see God in their life. And they can be in every church, in every town in America, and they're missing the mark. They're completely missing the mark because of choices. So I want to ask you this morning, have you had your heart cleansed? Have you had your heart cleansed? Maybe you came to that point in your life, and I believe you have, where you were humbled by sin. You came to a point that you were sick and tired of being sick and tired, as I've described it. And you just say, Lord, I need you. Forgive me of, of the past. And it doesn't have to be about some grandiose sin. It could just be something simple. You may come and say, Lord, forgive me. I need to start new today. I need to walk in newness of life today. Amen? Maybe that's you today. And if you haven't, God wants to wash your sins today. He wants to make your heart clean. He wants to say, I forgive you of your past. That's not a biggie for me to forgive. But I want you to make wise choices going forward. I want you to walk with me, and I want you to give me all of your heart. And then finally, there's the question about the condition of your heart here. And I'm going to close here. But the question here is, are you walking in purity before the Lord? Are you walking in purity before the Lord, or are there things still hidden Nobody knows about. And outwardly, everything looks good. Everything looks good like that clean white kitchen that you see in good housekeeping magazines and, and so forth. And it's filled with bacteria underneath. Who knows? Is it like that? Is there anything in your life which is keeping you from being sensitive and discerning God as He reveals Himself to you? I remember a few years ago, as I, as I close here this morning, I remember a few years ago, my computer vi uh, laptop had a virus. Anybody ever had a virus in their computer? It's a terrible thing to have, especially when you have a lot of stuff on there. This was years ago, and I remember at that time, my software for protecting my computer had expired, and I didn't renew it. Shame on me. Didn't renew it. And so it got infected with a, with a virus. I don't know where it came from. I, ha I probably opened an email. And uh, at any rate, it slowed it down to a crawl. I couldn't do anything on there. So I, had, I tried to fix it, and it was uh, where it wouldn't even allow my antivirus spyware to fix it. It, it wouldn't allow it to, f to get fixed. So I had to investigate, had to go online, how to fix this. Finally was able to uh, get a, a, a program that would go deep into the hard drive, clean out all these files that go deep in, in there, 
and clean it out and finally it was able to operate again the way it should have. But if we're not careful, our hearts are like a computer and sin is like a virus. It infects us little by little because when you first get a virus, it doesn't really shut your computer down right away. It slowly starts getting slower and slower and every time you boot up, it's like slower and slower. That's what sin does to you. Sin comes in like a virus and begins to shut you down spiritually. God doesn't want that for you, amen? By the time we recognize that condition for what it is, it's gained so much ground. I'm talking about sin. And to eradicate it from your life almost seems impossible. It almost takes you to the point, like I mentioned earlier, of giving up, of, of throwing yourself off a bridge, of, of committing suicide possibly, because you choose to give up. It's so much work. It's so much. But here's what, where we can allow the Holy Spirit to do His job. Amen. In Psalms chapter 139, and these are two beautiful verses, verses 23 through 24, it says the following, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. Is that you today? Can you stand up and say this morning, why don't you stand this morning with me, but can you stand and say to the Lord, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Search my heart and try me. See, God made us, and He alone knows our heart. We may look pure on the outside, but I pray that this morning, as, as we bow our heads and, and seek Him this morning, I pray that He would speak to you this morning, and that He would examine your heart, your spirit, and that you would truly say, Lord, I give you my all. Lord, I look to you and I give you my all. I'm an open book to you. I pray that for each of us here today. That the blood of His Son, of Jesus Christ, can wash you and make you clean today. Can make you whole today. That purity would reign in your life. Not because you're good, but because of His goodness, of His righteousness.